And we're continuing on our series in Matthew 10, uh, 7 to 8. And I uniquely got landed on the spot where, as Jesus is commissioning out his disciples to be the light of the world to others, he gives a commission. He says, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And so in this passage, we're looking at the different elements that Jesus commissioned his disciples. And I got today, raise the dead. And I'm going to be honest. Um, as Paul in the Bible talks about himself being the chief of all sinners, I am uniquely the chief of all skeptics. Um, and so this, I was praying, I was like, God, any other parts of this, I could, I have experienced to some degree, I have witnessed, and I would, it would have been a much easier sermon to preach on my behalf. But as, I'm, as I was preparing, I was filled with doubt <laughs> and reservations. Because I'm going to be honest, I haven't seen anyone physically being raised from death to life. I haven't had the unique opportunity, and I was going to fill the beginning of this message with a bunch of anecdotes and stories of articles and people's testimonies, but I'm going to be honest. As I was reading them, I was like, I don't know. Skepticism grew in my heart. Doubt grew in my heart, and I realized, you know what? That's not where I'm going to begin. What I would like to begin today is by first saying my message today is not going to be this long discourse of the historical um, you know, proof of the resurrection of Jesus or the resurrection of the body. My sermon today is not going to be a how-to step to go out and raise the dead. But today what I do want to do is I want to first begin by acknowledging death. I know, a very morbid place to start. But I want to acknowledge death and the realities of death because it is painful. There is a lot of grief, and this season we feel like death is all around us. We hear it on the news, we see it on the news, friends, family, the fear of someone passing. It surrounds us. And so often we try to curate death to be this heroic or dignifying thing. Um, growing up and still currently, I love reading comics. Um, you've seen uh, Ryan and Russell preach here before, if you've been with us. Um, they're the scholars of the group. Um, when they have conversations, I find my exit. Um, they're brilliant minds. They read a bunch of theologians and early church father texts. I love reading comics. Um, so um, in 92 and 93, there was a very unique surge of sales in comics because there was this rumor that the DC world was going to kill off Superman. And in 92 93, it was a, a, pretty, not, a very short series, but the sales of that, art, that comic issue went up to 6 million sales the death of Superman. It was the, one of the most high, you know, sought-out comic issue. Um, news <laughs> rooms were, cat, were covering it. Newspapers were covering it. It was a huge thing. It was the death of an icon. And people flocked to it. Everyone wanted to know. And it was this heroic death of Superman. But then afterwards, comic sales plunged. See, the thing is, we, we love witnessing death in a way where it's iconic, where it's heroic, where it leaves a legacy. But the reality is, afterwards, there's nothing. Or we think. There's a, there's a belief that once that issue happened, the death of Superman, and of course, people go back to say it was a publicity stunt, yada, yada, whatever it may be, there was a huge spike, and then there was nothing. And eventually, they had to bring back Superman. 
Because then if, you, if you're a comic fan, you know no one really dies in comics. There's always a resurgence. <laughs> There's always a resurrection because you can't leave anyone dead because the story ends. And for us, no matter how much dignity as a culture we try to give death, no matter, you know, no matter how much legacy we try to build around death, it's still a painful thing. No matter how much honor we try to attach to it, dying is not a pretty thing. See, there's this part of us, and we witness it through stories and books and culture, that we, have to, we believe, no matter what religious background we have, no matter what worldview we have, that death is not the final say. We, f- we shape narratives. We shape things because somewhere in our core, we, we, we try to accept the fact that this is not the design. This is not the ultimate design of life, to just die. And so we curate all these different pieces. See, death shouldn't have the final say. We believe that. Somewhere in our hearts, we believe that. That death should not have the final say. And here in this text where Jesus commissions his disciples to go raise the dead, you know, we have a lot of ministries and churches about healing the sick. We have prophetic ministries, right? We have ministries that, that bring about hope and life. And, but I rarely or I've never really heard of a ministry of raising the dead. We feel like it's not a common thing. And we have so much disbelief and doubt attached to it. I know I do. But in Ezekiel 37, 1-14, there's a very unique scenario. It's a very unique backdrop to something that, as I was reading through, I was connecting with today. In Ezekiel 37, what's going on, the big, big backdrop of things is Israel, they're in exile. Their home is gone. Their temples are destroyed. Their beautiful places of worship are gone. They're exiled. They're under a regime. They're under the Babylonian rule. They have no place to call home. They're cultured. Everything has been robbed from them. And Ezekiel, this prophet in the Old Testament, is speaking to them. And he says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out of the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley that was full of bones. He led me back, he led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. See, just imagine the scene, this vision that Ezekiel is receiving from God. It's just a graveyard, a massive graveyard. And not bodies in, a, in the ground, in, the, in a coffin, but just a valley of bones. Not just bones, but dried up bones. I know that's kind of a little graphic, but this is the vision that God is giving him. And I know many times when we look at death, that's what we experience. That's what we feel. That's what we see. That's what we witness. This is a barren land. It's a dark place. This is a valley of dry bones. And it says that he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I feel like as I was even preparing the sermon, this was a seed that God was placing in my heart. He was challenging my doubt. He was challenging my skepticism, my reservations. Son of man, can these bones live? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. From what my, my viewpoint, from where I'm standing, from what I'm seeing, there's no way. There's no way that bones can live. It doesn't make sense. When we look at bones, we don't see life. When we see the skeletal structure, we don't see, like, we don't see breath. We don't see flesh. We see death. And Ezekiel said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Good answer. 
because that's what I would say. <laughs> He's essentially like, I don't know, but I'm sure you do. Then he turned to me, and it's a very interesting task that God gives Ezekiel. He says, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. And here's another interesting piece of this. It says, dry bones, what does it say? Hear the word of the Lord. When we think of the word, we think just simply a Bible, an old, old text, or a historical text. Can we believe it today? Is it, is it relevant today? Is it contextual today? But it says the word, the word of God. It says, hear the word, and I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. See, this is a very important thing to recognize. Then you will know that I am the Lord. God is not just trying to put up a magic parlor trick here. He's not just trying to show something cool and magnificent and people could clap and wonder. He's like, I'll do this in order for you to know that I truly am God, that I am a living God. See, this is how Israel feels right now. They feel like they're just a valley of dry bones. There's no hope. There's no life. Everything they know has been robbed from them. Their identity is lost. And I know for so many parts of my life, that was such a struggle. I felt like I had no home. I lived in New York City for the entirety of my life, but here's the weird thing. I can't say born and raised in New York. I know it's a confession. I was actually born in Cali. <laughs> I know, shocker. Um, I was born in Cali, but I moved to New York when I was one. So because of that one-year gap, I can't say New York, born and raised. I just say New York, raised. And so... I, sometimes I, that's, it's such a trivial thing, but I, I lose my identity in that. You know, I, w I went to school. Although I was born here in, in the States, I couldn't speak English. So I was in, in ESL, English as Second Language. And people were confused. Oh, what, when did you come to New York? How long were you in Korea for? I'm like, no, I was, I was born here. I just don't know how to speak English. I was always a wanderer. I was lost. I always felt like I was in different worlds. And I can't imagine physically being displaced, physically being robbed of your faith, of your places of worship, and your home. They feel like a valley of dry bones. But God is saying, I will add life. So Ezekiel did what he was told. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. I know, very Halloween-esque. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breathe from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. And I just want to point out something here. The body came together. There was flesh. There was skin. It was put together, but there was no life. How many of you feel that way? That we have a body, but we're just wanderers and we don't have life. We, we physically exist in a space. We have all the bodily functions to be alive. But yet somewhere in our spirit, there's something deeply missing. And this is a ministry that God and Jesus continued on. It wasn't just a ministry of physically bringing things into existence. 
But God and Jesus, they always had a mission. God had a mission that it wasn't just to exist, but to have life. And I love this part. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. I mean, during this year, 2020, how many times have we said this? How many times have we said that this morning? Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We're cut off. And see, this, this whole epidemic, this crisis has cut a lot of us off. And we feel like our hope has been distilled. It's been, it's been robbed from us. The things that we hoped in, the things that, we, that gave us life, we feel like it's just gone now. We're cut off. Our careers, we had a trajectory, we had a path, cut off. Plans of weddings and engagements, cut off. Of financial security, cut off. Of relationships, and even death, cut off. And we feel like our hope has been robbed, just like Israel has said. It says, therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I'll bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I'll put my spirit in you and you will live and I'll settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. What a promise. I will bring you out of the grave. See, God is recognizing that there is death. We are not just simply by the grave, but as Israel fell, they're in the grave. Their body is done. Their hope is cut off. See, it's not just the imagery of like, maybe tomorrow will get better. They, they threw in the towel. They've officially said, we are in the grave. We are done. There is no hope. But God says, I will give you hope. I will give you life. I'll put my spirit in you and you will live. You will live. And I know we look at this text and we go, well, I'm not Israel. And this is God of the Old Testament. And it seems so foreign. It seems like there's this, 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 this dissociation, right? Our hearts may not be attached to this passage. It's a cool story. But what I want to encourage us today is that the God that worked in Israel and the life of Ezekiel is still alive and working today. And going back to my skepticism and my reservations about raising the dead, I really wrestled with this text. I actually even thought of ways of asking Russell to swap. I was like, can, can I get the healing part? part? That sounds kind of nice, right? I've seen it. I have stories. Raise the dead, not so much. And to be honest, even if I did share the story with you here, if I did have a story, let's be honest, you'll have reservations and skepticisms at home. See, I am Thomas, the disciple. Jesus came back after the resurrection and said, I need to see the holes in your hands. I need to touch them. I need to feel it, experience it. And I'm going to be honest, even after that, I still have my skepticism. I'm like, no, nah, this is CGI. This whole thing is made up, right? It's all fake. But I was reading through the text. <laughs> it was interesting because... I realized the entire crux of my faith 
stands on the axis that a man was raised from the dead. So how do I not have faith that God does work in that way? That God can raise the dead. My entire hope rests in the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead and the tomb was empty. And I know it's not Easter, and I know, you know, it's like you have to save those resurrection service, ser- sermons for Easter, but our entire faith hinges on it. Without the resurrection, there is no hope. Without the resurrection, we're just simply bodies that exist with skin, but no spirit. And I realized, as I was preparing this message, I was merely adopting the philosophy and principles of Jesus. Because if my doubt lies in the resurrection, if my doubt lies that the man was just a man, that Jesus was just a body and not God, my faith is hopeless. That death is the final say in my life then. There is no part two. There is no sequel. There is no resurrection. There is no restoration. And I'm cut off. Tim Keller, Reason for God, Belief in an Age of Skepticism, great book if you want to read, says, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. Am I just a fan of Christianity and what it has to offer? Am I just a fan of the the blessings of God, but not the part where we're in the grave and he needs to bring us out of the grave? And I know many of us right now, we feel like our hope is gone. Everything's been cut off. But as we look at Ezekiel and as we look at how God has worked through ages and how Jesus' ministry shaped around hope, he can raise and bring life into those hopeless situations. Some of you may be struggling in your marriages right now, and divorce is part of the discussion. That all, it's just filled with bitterness and anger and frustration, and we feel like the love is gone, and we feel like you all, all we do is just hurt each other. I want to encourage you, allow the Spirit of God to come into that marriage. Allow the Spirit of God to come into that relationship and breathe life. Let Jesus be the hope of that marriage, of your family. Some of us might feel like our careers have ended. Our financial security is gone. I first want to say our hope is not in the physical. Our hope is not in the materialistic things. But I also do want to say that God, his calling, his vision has not died. Where he's leading you and where he's prompting you has not stopped because of this epidemic. He's calling you somewhere. He's leading you somewhere. Let's listen. Let's discern. In the places and areas of our life where we just feel so isolated and we're just dealing with deep anxiety and loneliness, know that the Spirit of God can come and be your comforter. He can be your counselor. He can be the hope that we feel like is so lost and so distant. And today, challenge ourselves. Where does our hope rest on? Is it simply on the man and the teachings of Jesus as a prophet, as a teacher? Or is it truly as Jesus, as the living God, that he resurrected from the grave and he could bring resurrection into your circumstances, 
that he could restore things that we feel like is dead and in the grave. He is hope. He is life. And today, as we're talking about being the light of the world, you know, my, my commission here isn't go, go to hospitals, go to graveyards and raise the dead. I don't want to put that out of the possibility either, that God can physically raise the dead today. I'm going to be honest. I still have my skepticisms. I still have my doubts. And I'm wrestling with that. But I continue to try to have faith in God that it's possible because my faith in, in, the, in the resurrection of the dead, my faith that the miracles can happen, is the crux of my faith, of what I hope in, what I believe in, because without that, I am lost to share a story, um, during the summer and still currently going on, um, my grandmother's health has been declining. Um, she's been in and out of the hospital. She's in assisted living right now, and we don't, we don't know. She's getting older. And it's terrible because during this whole COVID epidemic, you know, I can't even hold her hand in the hospital when I visit. We have our masks on. I already have a hard time communicating with her, but then you add the mask elements. It's such a difficult process, but I remember um, a month ago when I was just sitting next to my grandma at the hospital, um, I had this overwhelming feeling, maybe this is the last time I could sit with her face to face. We don't know. We're hoping and praying that she will get better. But the thought of death crossed my mind. And watching my grandmother's health deteriorate, I'm like, there is no glamour to this. This This ain't a story, it ain't a movie. There's no heroic death of her sacrificing her life for millions. She's sitting in a hospital bed, and the body is just decaying. Mental health is decaying. And I realized our time here has an end. Whether we're young, old, there's no promises. Death will have its final say here on earth in our physical bodies. But here's the unique thing about, the, 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 about Jesus, about our faith in God. And we sang it before, and I feel like during the worship and Russell's short sermonette, that it summarized the entire passage, the entire story. Death will not have a final say in those who believe in Jesus. And my heart was heavy sitting next to my grandmother. But I know she's a woman of faith. I know she loves the Lord, and it's because of her faith that's carried on to me to my mother, to myself. And I said, man, this, is, this sucks. Sitting next to someone that is hurting, that I love, that is decaying. But I know in the resurrection, not one day her and I will be together in the perfect body, in the glorious body in heaven. See, Christianity isn't just about buying a ticket to heaven. Yes, that is the ultimate reward. That is the ultimate inheritance that we get to live in these glorious bodies beyond death. But to be the light of the world today, be the light of the world today. St. Simeon, an early church father, he wrote this. Those to whom Christ has given light as he has risen, to them he has appeared spiritually. He has been shown to their spiritual eyes. When this happens to us through the spirit, he raises up from the dead and gives us life. He grants us to see him who is immortal and indestructible. More than that, 
he grants clearly to know him who raises us up and glorifies us, us with himself as all the divine scripture testifies. And here is the part I really want us to look at. These then are the divine mysteries of Christians. This is the hidden power of our faith, which unbelievers or those who believe with difficulty or rather believe in part do not see nor are able to see at all to see. And I'm not trying to cast anyone out or make this an exclusive faith. It's not. But I'm going to be honest with you. If our faith isn't in Jesus, in the resurrected body, that God has raised a dead man to life, we will never be able to understand and we'll never be able to see and grasp hold of the resurrection. We will never be able to fully capture what it means to come from death to life. Because here's the thing. Although our physical bodies might not be dead now, there's so many places in our life where spiritually and emotionally we are dead. We are so separated. We feel empty. And to say that we never experience moments of just feeling of this giant void and darkness, it means that we've been doing a really good job numbing all those areas of our life. But if we're ever to sit with ourselves, with our thoughts and our true heart and our true identity, we will experience it. I experience it on the daily. But what gives me hope is that when I sit with those moments, I begin to remember Jesus, to reflect on Jesus, who he is and what he has done, that he has died in my place, that he has sacrificed his life, going to the grave, being buried, so that we now can come to life, not just in the afterlife, not just post-physical death, but even in our spiritual and emotional and today, if you're feeling just empty, dark, and you feel like your soul is just buried deep in the grave, and that we're just separated by this overwhelming fear of burden and failure and sin, when we enter life into Jesus, he'll breathe his life into you. His spirit will come. And as we're called to be light of the world, see, we can't do that with just our physical bodies. That's why this doesn't make sense. See, Jesus sent out his disciples, just ordinary men, gave them this commission, put the spirit on them. He says, go, heal the sick. Go, prophesy words of hope and affirmation. He said, go, raise the dead. And if there's one thing that we can leave with, is that as Christians, we have a unique opportunity. For those who believe, Wherever we go, do we bring life? Whatever chat room we enter into, whatever Zoom channel we, walk, you know, we turn on, how do we bring life, the life of Jesus and the light of the world? By our actions, our words, our generosity, our radical hospitality, our love, the way that we see others, the way that we see our family, our spouses, And I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. I love the idea, as a principle, as a philosophy, that death is not the final say. But, you know, I realized just believing in that philosophy is not enough. It might stir my heart. It might give me, you know, glimpses of hope. But it won't move my spirit and my body. If Jesus and his resurrection 
that God raised his body. If that's just a thought, a nice teaching, a nice idea, it's hard for us to be the light of the world. But if we believe in it with our, and place complete faith and trust, and like I said, me standing here and giving a discourse on the historical evidence of Jesus' resurrection, I don't know if that would be convincing enough because I am like Thomas. Give me all the facts. Give me all, you know, all the historical evidence. And I'll say, like, I still need to touch his hands. And today, as we just surrender our hearts and just openly just ask God to come and like Ezekiel, breathe his life into us. May he breathe life into the areas where it's just a valley of dry bones, where we look at our situation, look at our life, and all we see is just hopelessness. It's barren. It's done. I give up. I'm exiled. I'm separated. My heart is just gone. I'm cut off. Allow Jesus to breathe life. Let his hope and his spirit enter in and to do the supernatural, to do the things that we never expected. And so as we just take a moment to worship and reflect, let's just come with open hands wherever you are just to pause for a second and say, Jesus, here I am. Breathe life into the dead things. Breathe life into the things where I feel like I'm just cut off and there's no hope. Allow him to be your hope today.